as a surprise for sure. Uh, I was really even looking at my calendar when I found out this revival was coming. I had noticed I'd been home and I'll preach tomorrow in Elkview and I, I thought, man, that worked out great. I get to come and I, I do thank a whole lot of these two brothers, Brother Dale and Brother Caleb. Uh, they are my friends. Uh, I, I believe that. And so I was just looking forward to come and resting and uh, God had other plans apparently. So I texted my wife. I said, you better get to praying. I said, I got to preach. Somebody got to get a hold of the horns of the altar. She said, I told you, you better be prepared all the time. It is a great privilege to be here. It is a great privilege even to be preaching in the same building as you great men of God. But greater than that, it's a great privilege for the Lord to have anything to do at all with a man such as myself that he would allow me to share what he's already written down (laughs) with my personality to a people that love him and hopefully can take it and use it in their lives. Uh, Get your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 1. I I won't be long at all. I, I want to give you a thought that I have. The thought is this, that every moment matters. Every moment matters. Every moment matters. His life for mine. He had a moment on the cross where he shed his blood to pay for my sins and took that blood to the mercy seat and made things right between me and the Father. And because of his sacrifice and because of what he done, because of his moment, I now can share in that and will live eternally with him forever in heaven. But I'm not there yet. There's still much time if the Lord tarries and lets me live that I can spend down here toiling in this world, in this land, before I go to meet the Lord. There's plenty of times here that I'll have plenty of moments for myself. And I want to say this, for his moment for me, I believe he's worth every moment of mine. I believe he's worth every hour, every minute, every second. I, I know it's impossible to be perfect, but all oh, he's worthy of a perfect life. He's worthy of a holy life. He's worthy of my time, my treasure, my talents. You've heard these things before. I believe he's worthy of our moments this evening. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 1, Paul's saying hello, if you will, to the church in Colossians. He's telling them that he's been praying for them. In verse 10, he says that you may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. This is the heart, if you will, of the mind uh, of Paul as he's speaking to the church there. He's saying, I I I want you, I have the heart, I have the desire that you would walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. He said, I want you to live a life that's that's pleasing to the Lord. He says, being fruitful in every good work. He he wants you to do the works that have something that will last, that someone else uh, can glean from, that, that will have some nourishment or some help. Those good works should point everybody to the bread of life. Should point everybody to the living water. It should point everybody, if you will, let's finish it, in the increasing in the knowledge of God. It was more for Paul, and it's more for me tonight. I believe it's more for your pastor and the evangelists of the meeting uh, than just to be saved, but that when we get saved, that we live a life 
that's pleasing to the Lord. That we grow in the knowledge of the Lord. He, he said, I am, I, am, I am interested in the church growing in the knowledge. To increase, to grow in the knowledge of the Lord. And I tonight am impressed upon the matter that the Lord still rings it true as he did in that day. That I believe he's still worthy of our life. And that it is the church's requirement to increase in the knowledge of God. Then he goes on to tell about why, who, who he wants us to increase in. And he, he talks about giving thanks in verse 12 to the Father that's made us meet of partakers, the inheritance of the saints. Aren't you glad that we now are partakers of that inheritance? And he talks about that we've been delivered. I want to pick up reading in verse 14. And this is who, if you will, he's concerned about uh, us growing in the knowledge of. So not only is he saying, hey, just grow in the knowledge of God or hey walk worthy for the Lord but he wants to tell us why uh, it's important or who we are growing in and I would like to if the Lord will help me just for a few minutes and the power of the Holy Ghost to deliver the same thought and I'm going to show you who it is and why it is that I believe he's worthy of every moment of my life he says in whom we have redemption through his blood uh, even the forgiveness of sins who is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of every creature uh, by, for by him are all things created that are in heaven and are in earth visible and invisible whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things created by him and for him and my life verse here is verse 17 he is before all things and by him all things consist when I read that verse I thought to myself without Jesus it all falls apart <laughs> he says before all things and by him all things consist Hey, without Jesus, friend, it all falls apart. And number one, I notice that I see here a purchase. There was something that was paid. There is a purchase in mine and yours life. In verse 14 it says, Whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. To be redeemed means to be bought with a price. You have been bought back. See, we all belong to the Lord, but it's because of sin that we've been separated from him. But we're still his creation. Can't nobody else make uh, me or you. Can't nobody else make uh, what we see. We still and always have belonged to God. We're his creation. But because of sin in my life and the breaking of the law, it has separated me from my creator. It has put me into a home, bound me by chains, gave me a different father, the devil if you will, and I served him whether or not I would speak those words with my mouth. My works proved who I belong to. But there was a great purchase that's been made and it was Jesus Christ and he redeemed us by the blood the work on the cross of Calvary uh, paid the price for me and you it would be as in you have you ever had a, a, a firearm and you needed some money so you went to the uh, you went to the pawn shop and you took that thing there and you pawned it there and got some money and you got the ticket so that you could buy it back if you will and, and, and you wait till you got enough money wait till you could afford it and then you went 
to the pawn shop. Now the gun, as far as you're concerned, is still yours. You still own it. It belongs to you. But for a season of time, it's been separated from you. Walk up to the counter and said, I'd like to buy back what was once mine. I'd like to buy back my shotgun that I loaned to you. And you pull out that card and they say, well, it'll be $500 to redeem the shotgun. You can have it back and back. And you pull out your card and swipe it. If your cards work like mine do, they say, I'm sorry, sir, there's something wrong. Uh, uh, with the card, let me try it again. And you run the card, but there is no money. And so you get another card and you run it. And they said, I'm sorry, sir, but you can't buy it back and you can't have it. There's no money on the cards. You don't have enough to buy it back. You know, you do the same thing that I do. You say, well, let me call the bank. I've been having trouble with that card. You never called nobody. You're just working your way to the car to get out of your embarrassment in the store. And you feel like it's yours and you feel like you ought to have it and you feel like, but there's no amount of money that would be enough in my account in order to buy back the shotgun. You see, I used to belong to the Lord, but because of sin I've been separated. Now I'm separated by God even though His creation, He wanted me back. But oftentimes I tried to do it myself. I was chained and bound by sin. I belonged in a pawn shop where I did not belong. I did not belong there and should have been the Lord's. But there was no amount of money that could do. And I tried my good works for the Caleb and my Ca- and and the owner of the store, right? The devil, if you will, said, "Oh no, it will not do. You're still chained and bound by sin." I had good jobs and a lot of money. I thought surely money will bring me happiness and joy, and will break the chains and bondage. But they said, "Oh no, the amount of money that you have, it will not do." My parents, being Christian, raising me up in a Christian school and graduating, I thought surely my religious life would be enough to buy me out of my bondage and fill the void in my heart. But there was not a sufficient amount and there was nothing that I could do. There was no payment that could have been made for my life to break the chains of sin and the bondages I was in. There was only one payment and one payment that would do. And me and you as all in the same poncho, we've all been chained and bound by the same sin of life. And regardless of what we try, regardless of our money, regardless of our heritage, and regardless of our name, there was nothing that could do that could buy us back. But there was one who could pay the sufficient price and the devil says you're mine and belong to me but the Lord said I have a price I have a payment that will do it must be the spotless sinless lamb of God to be the one to redeem he had to buy us back there was a purchase made it is redemption through Christ Christ said I have the sufficient payment that's enough to buy him back there was a price paid on Calvary it doesn't matter how much you've won how far you've went how much you've costed and what you've done the same sin that had you bound was the same blood that it says he offered forgiveness of sin he was able to buy us back because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ friend I'm excited to know I don't want to get over it I don't ever want to forget where I was I don't want to forget where I've been and the sin in my life but Jesus Christ made the payment he's bought me back. I love him forever this this evening for the price that's been paid. He paid a price that we couldn't afford. The payment's been applied to my life. Has the blood been applied? The blood is a sufficient payment for redemption. Redemption is to be bought back and that offered forgiveness of sin. Nothing else I've ever tried could forgive sin. Save one alone. 
Jesus Christ. Paul said, this is the one. <laughs> this is who we're gathering for. This is uh, why you have the church. And this is, uh, this is why I'm writing to you. And, and this is why I want you to grow in the knowledge of God. Don't ever forget, friend. There was a price that needed to be paid. And no matter what you'd done, you could not pay the price. Uh, but there was one that did. Uh, and it cost him everything. It cost him his life. Uh, the Father in heaven loved you just as much as the son. I know it sounds weird. I know it makes no sense. But he said, I'd rather my son die on an old rugged cross and be tormented by the weight in the cup of sin so that he may have us to live with him forever. I'll never get over that in my life. Oh, man. He loves the son. Jesus himself said that they may know that you love them as you love me. He loves us as much as the Son. Paul is back. Number two, not only do I see that purchase here in the text, as we read on in verse 18, it said, And he was the head of the body of the church, who's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Basically, he's just saying Jesus is number one. He said, God the Father set it up so that Jesus will be number one. He was here before everything else. He'll be here at the end. He's the firstborn of the dead. There's been nobody else rose from the dead by their own power. That's him and him alone. He wanted to make sure that we understood that Jesus is number one. And he says here, for it pleased the Father that in him shall all fullness dwell. And here we go in point two. And having made peace to the blood of his cross... By him to reconcile. Number two, not only do I see the purchase that was made, but I see the position we are now in. If the purchase is redemption through Christ, then the position is reconciled in Christ. If you do take notes, be sure to get those words right. It'll help you later on down the road. But, but if our purchase is redemption through Christ, then our position now, we have been reconciled in Christ. Let's finish those two verses. He says, uh, having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you, that's me and that's you, that's them, that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your own mind by wicked works, yet now, hath he reconciled in the body of it. How did he do it? Now he's explaining how he reconciled us now. Not only did he save us from hell, not only did he buy us back, but now he's reconciling us to the Father. Not only did he pay the price to have us back, but he says, I won't just leave you here on this dead earth. I won't just leave you in a graveyard after I've purchased you back and give you that new life. I've now made it so that I can reconcile you with the Father. Not only so, but this is what he says that he did with his body through death. To present you, that's me, that's you, that's them, holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. I said, I see us reconciled in Christ. Reconciled means to be restored. He brought peace. Notice what it said uh, in the Bible there in verse 20, and having made peace. And we always talk about peace that passes all understanding. And no doubt there is some comforting from the Holy Spirit of God that I have as I walk in this very day. I'm sure that there are those in the building such as myself who have... Uh, 
enjoyed and who have lived in peace that passes all understanding. And I do enjoy peace when I lay my head down at night. I do enjoy peace when I pay my bills. But do you really know what I think peace that passes all understanding is? It is that we were an enemy of God. He said, and you, you were sometime an alien. He said, an enemy of God by your wicked works. I may have not told God I was his enemy. I may have not told God I did not like him. And I may not have told God I was an alien and an enemy. But because of my wicked works, it proved that I was. And I was against God and an enemy on the battlefield. There's only one thing to do with an enemy and that is to kill them. And God is a God of love and that is true. But he's also a God that is just and just has wrath. And there will be a time when he comes back riding on that white horse with a vestal dipped in blood, a tongue for a sword, a sword for a tongue. And he will kill and destroy the nations that are against him. But for the time being, there has been a man named Jesus Christ the Son who not only bought us back but now has reconciled us. We were an enemy with God and he should have wiped us out. He should have killed me a long time ago. But because of Jesus Christ through his death, he said, I now have reconciled him. He said, Travis used to be my enemy. Travis used to be my alien. Hey, Bill Vance used to not be on my team. Brother Craig used to not be on my side. But Jesus Christ said, hold on, Father. Before you wipe them out, won't you look and see what I did on cross of Calvary. It has restored them. If sin separated us from God, he paid the price to buy us back. Now being separated by our sin. But he says, Father, look what I have done. I have covered the broken commandments with the blood of the Lamb. So now when Christ, when the Father looks down at you, he no longer sees the sin. But he's looking through blood-stained lenses this evening. And he sees the blood of his darling son that was sufficient to take away the sin. Hey, I'm glad to know this evening that God did such a great work through the death of his son that it has made me as if I am righteous. Him that knew no sin became sin so that you and I may be made the righteousness of God through Jay. That is a miracle. That is unbelievable. The position that I am now in when it comes to the position of the Father. Practically, I know I'm in this old sinful flesh. I still have a lot of things to figure out. But positionally before the Lord, he sees the darling son's blood. And it's been enough to restore me into the fellowship. Not only did I avoid hell, but I get heaven one day. I'll be able to be in the presence of the sinless heavenly father because of what Jesus did to reconcile me and you by. Notice what it says there in verse 22. It says that he's going to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Now, I don't know if you're in the same building I'm in, friend, but I am not holy. Uh, there is plenty of things in my life uh, that you can find blame in my life. Uh, there's been many of things in my life that I should have been reproved for, uh, but because of what Jesus did, oh, I'd never get over that. Uh, some of you know what it's like uh, to live many years in sin, uh, but God still loves you. God still hunts you down. God still for the darling son when he should have got rid of me a long time ago he said now I've made you holy now I've made you unblameable now I've made you unreprovable I say great day in the morning what a truth that is to know that the one he wants me to grow in is the one that covered my sin and though I should be blamed it's not on my account so I should be reproved there's no punishment to come hey praise the Lord tonight he's reconciled 
about us to the Father, hey, everything really is all right. That is peace that passes all understanding. Said he made peace. That's peace that passes all understanding that we were an alien and an enemy of God. But through the death of the Son, we can be holy and unblameable and unreprovable. That, my friend, is peace that passes all understanding. He brought peace. Number three, in finishing, not only there was a purchase, redemption through Christ. Now the position I'm now in, I've been reconciled in Christ. Number three, now I see the purpose. Here's really where the message is, really. We say, oh, oh, I said, and I believe Paul said, all that he said. We said the reading of the next verse, verse 23, I believe it is. So at the reading of the next verse, we'll be inclined to follow it. We'll be inclined to live in it. We'll be inclined. Why? Because of all that the one who wants me to grow in, all that he's done for me. You see, we say things like, who can't serve a God like that? I ask the same question. Who cannot serve a God? Yes, sir. Who through the death of His Son, He gave it all. He had died for me and you. Like He gave His life. He had to resurrect to prove who He was. He died on that cross. And He did that for me and you. And He said, I'm not only going to die for you so you can avoid the punishment of sin and, and hell, but I'm also going to take you to my Father's house. That daysman that Job talked about. He said, now I'm going to take you to the Father where there would be no way you could be around. Sin can't be in the presence of God. What a great work that happened on that cross. But look, and I'll finish here, 23. He tells us all that. I could really read the rest of the chapter, but, but I won't. And I don't know if it's necessary. But if ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul... And made minister. Must be a student of the Bible. Brother Dale says that a lot. And I am nowhere near this dear brother. I have a lot of learning to do. But being a student of the Bible would tell us here that the archaic word, if you will, of this if does not mean do this and this will happen. And you have to take the chapter in context. You can read it when you go home. There is never you do this and this will happen. The if here is Paul saying since then. Or I assume. You can study it out. And so he tells us all about the Lord. He tells us all about the Lamb. He tells us all about the death. He tells us all about the cross. He's telling us all about what Jesus did. And now he is saying, since I told you that, or I assume since you know that, it'd be no different than me tonight saying, since I just laid it all out, and I know it's a word called the Holy Ghost, and he's got to open up your mind. He's got to open up your heart. There has to be illumination done that a speaker cannot do. I know that. But it would be no different than me saying after I told you all that Christ done for you, I assume you're going to live for Him. I assume you're going to stay grounded and settled. That's what He says. I want you to continue in the things that I taught. Continue in the hope of the gospel. Continue in the faith. Stay grounded and settled. He's saying since you know all that, continue in the faith. Continuing adds strength. 
Not very long ago, I was catching a plane, traveling back and forth, and I caught a plane in Nash, uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, and I went over to Dulles Airport close to D.C., and I got off the plane there, and I preached there in Virginia to some dear friends. This is probably three, four months ago, maybe. And I uh, preached for them, I had a great time, whatever, you know, the next day get back on the plane and I'm on my way to uh, uh, Jacksonville, Florida. And so on my way down there and uh, to catch a plane there, well, I had a layover in Atlanta from Dulles, Washington, D.C., uh, to Atlanta and then Atlanta to Jacksonville. Well, I got on the plane, got on time there very early in the morning at Jacksonville. And when I got on the plane, everything went fine. And as I was sitting there, I noticed the clock ticking and clock ticking and we seemed to be sitting longer and longer and longer. And finally, a, a pilot come on the radio and said, oh, we have no fuel truck. We've only got one fuel truck for three different airlines. Well, that's a lot of airlines airplanes for just one fuel trap to fuel us up. They said somebody dropped the ball somewhere. Some people started to get upset. Some people started getting a little uh, aggravated that they had to sit on the plane. Now me, I said, now hold on here now. <laughs> Don't get so upset that we're waiting on fuel. I, for one, do not want to leave this ground without fuel. You know what I'm, I'm, not, I'm not coasting to the exit, friend. We, we go out of fuel. We're all goners here. I, I will wait on the truck. I just can't believe this. I said, praise the Lord. At least they know we're on empty. You know what I'm saying? Like, at least they know we need a fuel truck. That'd be terrible. That's a long way down, friend. I thought about that. That's a long way to know the bottom ain't going to be good. You know what I'm saying? Continuing adds strength. It's a picture of growth. Yes. What he told us prior to verse 14, some of your Bibles too will have it paragraphed out, but what he told us prior to verse 14, now he's coming back to and saying, continue in that. Continue what I've been praying about, what I told you about. To please the Lord. Walk where, to have fruitful good works. And, and to grow in the knowledge of Christ. Now he's saying, if I told you all that about the Lord, now continue in that. Well, I was sitting on that plane. We sat on the runway for two and a half hours before we got fuel. We got fuel and they flew me to Atlanta. I had 20 minutes now to make it from my plane to my, my, my connecting flight to get to Jacksonville. 20 minutes. Now, my bag didn't make it. It was a lot slower than I was, apparently. But I began, I told the lady beside me, I said, man, I got 20 minutes. I'm at Concourse E. Some of you that have been in Atlanta, E is the last concourse. It is the very end. And I believe I came in the very last gate of Concourse E. And I had to go all the way to A. A and E and Atlanta is too far this point possible to make it to from one plane to the other. And I'd love to tell you that I was in a pair of tennis shoes. I'd love to tell you I had a pair of sweats on. I'd love to tell you I was prepared for the journey ahead. I was in a pair of Red Wings and Wranglers, friend. And Red Wings is work boots. They are not meant to be running. I'm running through the airport fast as I can. And I'm thinking, my goodness, in the Marines this wasn't this hard. In the Marines this wasn't this tough. When I used to run all the time, I could run seven miles blindfolded backwards and I'd have no trouble whatsoever. I said, now I'm about to die. I'm literally going to die on the way to the plane. What should I do? Miss my plane or die on my way? But i got to never give up attitude. I thought, I'll die. I'll die before I miss this plane. And I'm running fast as I can. Even the people as I'm going by them, they kept saying, we got a runner, we got a runner, we got a runner. You know, they thought it was Funny. These are people that fly all the time, apparently. I'm about to die, so I wish somebody would bring one of them go-karts around my way and haul me to the next plane. I have no phone number to call, nothing to do. I get to the there, I get to the gate, and there was three or four people, no, no exaggeration, three or four people still hanging out of the gate. And I thought, praise the Lord, I made it. And I got there and I'm like, oh my, oh, and I feel lightheaded. I'm like, I'm gonna, 
I don't feel good. And this guy's like, well, you made it. I'm like, yeah, I may not make it. I may not make it. No, then I felt like that Jew. I need a good Samaritan. I need somebody with a water. Bottle. I need somebody to feel sorry for me. I had the thought, this wouldn't have been nothing in the early 2000s. This wouldn't have been nothing how I used to run. This wouldn't have been nothing the way I used to be in shape. This wouldn't be nothing if I'd have kept up with the training that I used to. Hey, I had the thought if I would, I was embarrassed to be honest with you. I was embarrassed that I was so worn out. But I thought to myself, if I would have, I got out of the Marines in 2005 and we're a long ways off from that. Only place I've ran is to the refrigerator. I know I'm skinny. I'm telling you, my insides is tore up. I'm telling you. So I ran. I was like, I cannot believe that this has happened to me. Here's the thought I had if I'd have only continued. If I would only kept doing what I used to do if I would only continue in the exercises in the calisthenics I just kept doing what I knew to be right keep myself in shape you know what happened brother Dale there was a circumstance that came upon me that what I was not prepared for I had no idea we'd miss that plane I had no idea there'd be no fuel I had no idea we would be late it was something that crept up it was a moment that crept up to me that I wasn't ready for that I wasn't prepared for and any of you say of God that's lived any time at all. There will be seasons of life that will creep up on you that you will not be prepared for. That you will not be ready for. And Paul knew it as well. There's some things coming close you that you'll not be prepared for. That you'll not be ready for. He said I want you church to live in the light of the cross. I want you church to live in the light of Christ and continue in that. Why? Because continuing adds growth and growth adds strength. And when the moments of life that you're unprepared for come, you'll be ready to honor the Lord in your seasons of life, your moments of life that you're unprepared for. Our purpose now is the responsibility to Christ because of all that He done. Every Moment matters. And you'll not make it through those moments. We always say prayed up and read up. Walking with the Lord. Continuing, green grounded and settled in the things that you know to be true. Add strength for those moments. A story and I'm done. I preach for 25, 25 minutes. And I'm finished. And I cannot wait, I'll be honest, for what we'll hear later. True story told to me by someone who knew this gentleman. There was a young couple, they was teens, they, they liked each other, they was boyfriend, girlfriend. They was in church, they was in Christian school, they was raised godly. I believe, and their testimony is that they were saved, okay? Young people that were saved and they wanted to date, so they did, mom and dad allowed them. They got old enough, uh, 18, you know, they're graduating from uh, uh, school. And so the guy goes to the dad and says, I want to marry you. I want to ask her to marry me. He says, well, let's not jump the gun. Let's, let's, let's wait till after college. Both of these people go off to Christian college. It may have been different. It may be the same. I do not know. I'm assuming the same. They stayed together the whole time. And, and so after they, all, they, after they both graduated Christian college, they kept themselves pure, kept themselves holy, kept themselves walking before the Lord the best way they knew how. And um, he come to his dad and said, can I ask her to marry? He said, yes, yeah, sure, you can do that now. The date comes closer for them to get married. And uh, they threw a bachelor party, some of his friends threw a bachelor party for that gentleman. 
And now I've been on both sides of the fence. I've seen a, I've seen a lost bachelor party, unfortunately, and I've seen a saved bachelor party, too. Been a part of both. At this bachelor party, they brought in a woman of the night. Best way I can say. She come in there as entertainment for the party, for a Christian boy, for, for a one that was raised in church, for the one that Paul was saying, hey, he knew what Christ had done. But one moment, one moment he was unprepared for, that night he knew that woman. They was getting ready to get married. They stayed pure. So many years, in their young 20s now, so many years given to the Lord as far as their purity. In one moment, wrecked it. They woke up the next morning. Nobody was the wiser. She was left in the middle of the night. He gets up. Everybody gets up. Oh, didn't we have a good time? Yeah, we all had a good time. They go and wedding day comes. They get married. They got married and honeymoon comes and they just had a wonderful time. He kept it to himself. And I ain't sure if I'm any better than him if I wouldn't of myself. Maybe he thought, man, that was a mess up. I'll just tell God nobody else knows and we'll go on. There are times in our life when that happens and God covers it. Praise the Lord. Now, I know it forgives, but we don't always live with the, out the consequences right. of sin. Yes, Look, I've been forgiven of much, but there's scars on and in my body yes, that I cannot take back. Amen. I have to live with them every time I look in the mirror. Come on, I know I'm forgiven. I just talked about being reconciled. I know that. I believe it too. Yes, but the consequences of sin has had its toe right. in the flesh of my body. They finally come time to have a baby. She gets pregnant. Oh, they're so excited. In the womb, the doctor says there's something wrong. Says the eyes don't look like they're developing like they should. They can tell all that stuff. Said the eyes are not developing like they should. We'll have to wait and see when the baby's born. We don't really know why. We can't tell. We'll know when we get some blood work from the baby. Of course, they ought to have their blood work, so they go and the baby's born. Sure enough, it's born blind. The doctor comes in and says, oh, Are you sitting down? I got some news to tell you. He said, the baby is blind. He said, we've run some tests and we found out the disease that she has that almost always causes this in the pregnancy. They're like, well, what is it? What disease? What could it be? He gives the STD. Says, you have it in your blood. She said, no, that's impossible. I've kept myself pure. I've kept myself holy. We went to Christian school. I'm safe. He ain't done nothing. We ain't done nothing. Looks over at the husband quietly. The gig is up. It's in the blood. There's no denying the disease. He had to tell her about that one night. Moving on and I'll finish. I just want to make you conscious and aware of every moment of your life. If the devil can't take you with him, he'll ruin you while you're here. There's the truth there, friend. Fourth birthday comes along. She's opening up her presents blind. She pulls out a blanket and she's holding it up and it just feels like a regular blanket. They say, oh, it's so pretty. It's so beautiful. It's got a beautiful unicorn right on the blanket. But she can't tell. <laughs> Opens up the next gift and it's got long legs and long hair and she's feeling on it. And the kids say, oh, that's that Barbie that everybody wanted. She can't tell it feels like the same Barbie that every Barbie feels like. Uh, Daddy wore out, goes and sits on the couch. So distraught, 
from living with the sin. Story says that the four-year-old daughter comes across on his lap. Says, Daddy, why can't I see like everybody else? Because of one moment that he was not grounded and settled, continuing in the faith, the gospel that's been just one day, one time away from the cross, one time outside of Christ. You must live in the light of the cross. To keep you safe from yourself. It was too much for him to bear. The story says he went up on her fourth birthday into the bathroom, shut the door and took his life in that bathroom. She has no daddy. Mama has no husband. Because of one moment outside of the will of God. My message is only this. Your moments do matter. Remember all that Christ's done for you Live in that, walk in that, grow in that, and it will give you strength when the moments of life come that you're not prepared for. Let's all bow our heads, preacher, you come. Jesus, I love you. Thank you, Lord, for this truth. Thank you, Lord, for the Bible. God, I pray that you be with the rest of our evening service. And I pray, God, that you would help us to be aware and conscious of our moments in life because every moment matters. And you're worthy of every one of those. In Jesus' name, amen.